Hello and welcome back to the Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm Molly McEnany, the host of the Indie. What started out as Burger Week four years ago has grown to include Burrito Week, which is this coming Thursday, September 23rd to Wednesday, September 29th. I'm here with Matt Ketman, senior editor at the Independent, to talk about this year's burrito-inspired event hosted by the Santa Barbara Independent. Thanks for being here, Matt. Yeah, my pleasure, Molly. So what is Burrito Week and what is the inspiration behind it? So Burrito Week is actually an offshoot of, of Burger Week, which we started back in 2017 as kind of a promotional way to celebrate hamburgers and, and get our readers excited about going out and trying maybe new restaurants around town. So it was a way to support restaurants. And it is a promotional event. So restaurants you know, pay to participate. And then we send out riders to each of these establishments and they get to try in this case, the burritos, and then they come back and write a 100 to 200 word little blurb about it, take some pictures, and then we have a wrap up of all of these burritos in this week's issue. So there's a lot of kind of traditional burritos, you know, rice, beans, meat, or veggies. There's also a vegan burrito that Blue Owl is doing. There are a few breakfast burritos out there this this year, and there's also um, a couple of dessert burritos, which are pretty interesting too. Yeah, so on that note, there are some very creative takes on the burrito this year. Can you give an overview of the branded burritos that participants will be selling? Yeah, let's do it. We'll do the whole rundown here. So in the traditional burrito camp, uh, which is a very big umbrella, but um, we have uh, Taqueria Santa Barbara has an Al Pastor burrito. Um, the Creekside is doing their Creekside burrito, which includes your choice of either grilled chicken, tri-tip, or grilled veggies in there. I actually got to try that one. I had the tri-tip. My wife had the grilled veggies, and, and they were both quite good. Um, Los Agaves is doing their burrito especial, uh, which is a choice of meat between carnitas or pastor, uh, and then kind of the typical um, burrito fillings. Uh, Yona Reds, which is doing those queso tacos uh, down on State Street, they're doing a birria burrito. So it's got this juicy um, stewed meat in it uh, with jasmine rice, peruano beans, melting cheese, fresh con cilantro, finely chipped red onion, and it comes with that consomme that you can dip your burrito in. So uh, super rich and uh, delicious experience. Super Cucas, one of the you know more famous Mexican restaurants around here, is doing their community burrito, which is fairly simple: just beans, rice, choice of meat, onion, cilantro. Um, Los Arroyos, another hit around here, is doing their runaway burrito. Uh, I get to try this one as well, which is funny because that's what I often order from Los Arroyos if I go there. So I was pretty familiar with the dish anyway, and that's a handheld burrito with brown beans, cheese, guacamole, uh, with your choice of chicken or pastor. To me, it's really like. It's like a it's like a rice and bean burrito or bean and cheese burrito with kind of amplified with with meat in there. And I, I almost see it as like a blank slate for their uh, for all their lovely salsas uh, that you can kind of slather all over it. Um, Rudy's is doing their original chili Colorado burrito. So big uh, tender beef chunks um, cooked in their salsa roja with beans and cheese wrapped in a tortilla. The Uptown Lounge is doing their Uptown Burrito, which is kind of like the creek sides with tri-tip, rice, black beans, bell peppers, mozzarella cheese, and ha- homemade salsa. Uh, the Benchmark uh, Benchmark is doing a Burrito Mojado, so a wet burrito, which has this uh, kind of zesty red sauce and, and cheese all, all over it. Um, so kind of a sit-down burrito. You're not going to be walking around with that one. Uh, moving into the uh, less traditional, I guess, uh, avenue of burritos, you have um, Little Kitchen, um, which is there on uh, Ortega Street. They're doing a uh, chicken marinated in a creamy tomato curry. Um, so it's basically like a tikka masala type um, 
type burrito, so an Indian flavored burrito that comes with Raida yogurt sauce on the sides. That's that's pretty creative. Um, the Natural Cafe is doing their Buddha burrito, which is a, a veggie burrito with sauteed veggies, pinto beans, brown rice, um, that sort of stuff. Um, and then the Blue Owl is uh, went uh, full of vegan on it, I believe. And this is a it's called Kale Me Sweetheart. It's a red tortilla stuffed with roasted sweet potatoes, kale that that's tossed in a vegan chili mayo and sliced avocado. Um, so that one's exciting for people uh, who like, you know, vegan food. Um, then on the breakfast burrito front, uh, Home Plate, which is the, the restaurant way out in uh, Western Goleta, um, is actually doing two burritos. So the other one established with us, two burritos, and both are breakfast burritos. One is called the G-Town Wrap, uh, which is a spicy, uh, spicy burrito with, with scrambled eggs, tri-tip sausage, tri-tip and sausage. Uh, Ortega chilies, grilled jalapenos, cheddar cheese, and green salsa, and avocado. Uh, and then the other one is called uh, the Trainwreck Wrap, um, which is two eggs uh, with bacon, sausage gravy, tater tots, and cheddar cheese. That'll keep you stuffed all day. Uh, El Zarape uh, on the west side of Santa Barbara uh, is really known for their breakfast burritos, and they're doing a breakfast burrito. They have a breakfast pasilla burrito. Um, so that's eggs, potatoes, a pasillo pepper, and avocado wrapped in uh, that tortilla. And then last but certainly not least, there's two dessert burritos. Uh, so this is something that kind of spun out of Burger Week with Anderson's, which is the Danish bakery on State Street, State and Figueroa there, uh, right by our old office. Um, they actually made a, a dessert burger last time around, so kind of a pastry thing. And this time they made a dessert burrito. This one's called the Sweetest Little Burrito. with uh, It's a marzipan and almond meringue filling. Uh, with organic chocolate and mocha cream, fresh strawberries, kiwi and chocolate chunks, and a crema uh, that's drizzled as the icing on top. Then they also have a sweet caramelized jalapeno slice, which is kind of cool. And then uh, Rory's, the, the the you know locally famous ice cream spot, uh, jumped on uh, this as well when they heard that, that you could do a dessert burrito. And they're doing their fudgy chocolate burrito, which is a sweet crepe wrapped around Rory's serious dark chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, and a touch of our, their honey hot fudge sauce. That's all wrapped up and frozen so you can eat it without it kind of melting all over yourself. So I believe that is all of the burritos that you can go try. Wow. Well, I'm salivating and I'm sure everyone listening is salivating and is thinking I have to get out there for burrito yeah. week this week. So I have one final question for you, Matt. Why did the Independent decide to do this event in collaboration with local restaurants in Santa Barbara? I mean, the motive is just really to support these restaurants in a in a tough time. We even do it in good times, though. You know, it's it's an interesting time still coming out of the pandemic. Uh, Burger Week has been super successful, both from uh, a readership angle. So the readers really love it. It's kind of like gives this like camaraderie and this reason to go out and eat some burgers. And we see that happening, you know, really right away with 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 Burrito Week because we have you know, 16 participating restaurants is, is kind of a, a big turnout for, for a first ever event. So I could see this really growing into something that's annual and that is, is really exciting. And I mean, really burritos, while we all love burgers, when it comes to California cuisine, there's almost nothing more iconic than a burrito. And, you know, nowhere is that more true than in Santa Barbara. So it's kind of the perfect symbol of, you know, both our states, you know, Mexican roots, uh, but also with this, you know, influx of of all types of different modern cooking styles. And, and you're seeing that in the burritos we have, you know, they have, like I said, we have everything from those traditional rice and bean burritos to Indian flavored burritos to dessert burritos. So, you know, it's really a nice platform uh, where chefs can do something uh, that's authentic or do something that's a little more modern and traditional. And it's just a nice canvas to explore the various types of food we have in Santa Barbara. 
And once again, that's beginning tomorrow, September 23rd. Head to www.independent.com slash burrito week to learn more and share your own photos of burritos from around town. Thanks so much for being on the show again, Matt. Ah, my pleasure. I'm going to go eat some burritos. The Ojai Music Festival for Classic and Contemporary Music, which had its start in 1947, was this past week from September 16th to September 19th. I'm here with Charles Donnellan, Executive Arts Editor for The Independent, to talk about some of the artists and musicians who performed at the festival. Thanks for being here, Charles. So tell me about the festival and some of the performers that you saw. Hi, Molly. It was great. Always one of my favorite events. Uh, Usually is in June. Because of COVID, it got pushed, uh, well, it got pushed by a year, but then it got pushed to September. But this was some of the first uh, live classical music that people have experienced. A lot of the performers, many of them from the Los Angeles Philharmonic, were talking about the fact that this is really important to them to be coming back together. And the music director this year was John Adams, very famous American composer. And the theme was contemporary composers, the younger generation. They actually called them the Ojai Six, six composers that were heavily featured over the course of the four days of the festival. And one kind of interesting fact about this is that one of the composers of the Ojai Six is uh, Samuel Adams and Yes Relation. So John Adams conducted uh, work by his son. And what a kind of exposed position to put yourself in. I mean, you come to probably the premier contemporary classical music festival in the country, for sure, maybe in the world. And you're given the job of programming it and you say, yeah, my, my child will have a piece. But, but uh, you know, I say that all by way of announcing Samuel Adams is a major composer and a piece that um, Miranda Cookson, who is a wonderful violinist, who is also a heavily featured performer and a member of Amok, which we'll be talking about in a minute. Amanda Cuxon played this uh, chamber concerto by Samuel Adams on Friday night. It was just brilliant. Rhiannon Giddens was a featured artist this year. And so last night, Saturday night, there was a concert that was pretty far away from the typical Ojai classical music programming because it was essentially Americana. And uh, Rhiannon Giddens just has one of the greatest voices of anyone in music right now. So that was really both satisfying, kind of relaxing in a way, because the music can be pretty demanding, but also terrifically moving because her set was thematically organized around the idea of homecoming and everybody kind of feels like they're coming home to the stage. These musicians, this is where they live. And then one other detail about that, which was kind of fun and interesting, her partner, they live in Ireland, and her partner in both life and music, uh, Francesco Torrizi, is an Italian. And apparently his visa did not come through until like the day before they were going to leave. So there was a lot of tension and everything. But then wonderful, glorious uh, release. I guess finally, one other thing that's really always important to notice, Ojai delivers not just weird music, as one of my uh, uh, acquaintances this week called it, but also, you know, the really, uh, I think, most interesting and important contemporary classical music. And it wouldn't be classical music if there weren't some virtuoso keyboard players, some pianists around who can put on a recital, just one person at the keyboard for two hours. Uh, And there were two of them. So that's my uh, capsule report. I mean, the, the, the amount of material that they get through 
in an Ojai festival is mind boggling. And uh, I was fortunate, I, I saw two concerts in person, but I was also able to use their live stream, which has really come a long way. They've got an excellent uh, multi-camera setup and the fidelity of the audio is terrific. So um, you can also, you can couch this one and it's free. Yeah, well, this sounds like such a great investment in the next generation of musicians. So tell me about who you were there with and who you spoke with. Yeah, well, one thing that's always exciting about Ohio is that they invite different individuals or sometimes in this case, a group to be the music director. The artistic director stays the same from one year to the next in order to keep the administration together. But the uh, music director is a shifting appointment and it's one of the most prestigious things that you can receive in the classical music world. It's a really big deal. I mean, Igor Stravinsky and Aaron Copeland were among the early music directors of the OI Music Festival. So this year, as in 2022, this coming year, uh, the festival music director will be a collective called AMUC, and that stands for American Modern Opera Company. They're a relatively recently formed collective of 18 musicians, and the uh, founder, one of them is uh, a man named Matthew O'Coin. He's a really interesting composer who we've actually had in Santa Barbara through the Music Academy of the West, but, well, for example, the Metropolitan Opera in New York is opening their season this year with an opera that he wrote that's, I don't know, four years old. So um, he's really interesting. And the woman that I spoke with, Emmy Ferguson, is just an incredible virtuoso on the flute. And in particular, she has a kind of sub-specialization within flute music. Uh, she plays various different Baroque flute instruments. Um, you know, they're... Uh, they look almost like recorders, but you play them from the side rather than from the end, as you would a recorder. And she played an extraordinary solo on Thursday night for the opening night of the festival. And when I chatted with her on uh, Saturday morning, uh, she was talking very excitedly about the opportunity that being the music director of the 2022 festival represents for her and for this group Amok that she belongs to. My name is Emmy Ferguson. I play the flute. I'm here this year for the 75th Ojai Festival playing some solo pieces by incredible composers Gabriela Ortiz and Georgina Derbez. But I'm really excited that I'll also be back next year for the 76th Ojai Festival with the American Modern Opera Company, also known as Amuck. The company itself has been in existence uh, for a few years now, but what's amazing about it is that it is composed of 17 performers who many of us have known each other for a very, very long time. Uh, even going back to, I think, the person I know the longest I met when I was 13. And there's a lot of connections like that. So we've been sort of in a crucible together, sort of molding our ideas for a very long time and thinking about how we want to shape the future of the performing arts world. And so it's incredibly exciting to have these 17 folks come together, sort of think about what that looks like. I think Ojai might be the first time that all of us are together, so it's going to be an incredible reunion. It is exciting, I think, beyond all of our imaginations. When we first heard about this, it was the eruption of excitement um, from all of the different company members was kind of, you know, it just was so palpable. 
Um, everyone was buzzing in different ways about what could we do, how could we do this, like what an incredible playground to get to work with and an incredible community to be supported by. I mean, the Ojai Festival is just so well executed in every way and every single person is so encouraging, welcoming, and they make you feel like you're part of their family. So we are so excited that they are extending that to our Amok family. Well, it sounds like Emmy Ferguson and Amok are the next up and coming group in classical music. So where are they going to be next? Where can listeners see them play? That's a great question because Emmy will be a guest artist with a group that is based in Santa Barbara and that's coming up in November. So you will uh, have an opportunity to hear her play in a really interesting program of Baroque music. And that's coming up uh, November 14 through 19 with the group Camerata Pacifica. And the way Camerata Pacifica operates, they will put on that program at uh, I believe four different locations throughout Southern California with the final concert at the Music Academy of the West Han Hall in Montecito, and that's on uh, November 19th. So uh, look forward to that. Absolutely worth catching her. And just a thoroughly enjoyable time down in Ojai. Beautiful weather, great people, and uh, a joy to be able to experience live music again, especially in the outdoors. Yeah, festival season was kind of up in the air this year, not only in California, but across the country, a lot of cancellations. But luckily, the Ojai Music Festival was able to come back for 2021. Thanks for coming on the show and talking with me about the event, Charles. Thank you, Molly. Once again, for the full rundown of all our stories this week, head to www.independent.com. I'm Molly McEnany, host of The Indie. Tune in next week for another episode.